2: The football drop podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the second episode of the football drop podcast this week. Uh, we've got an absolute banger for you this week. Um, I don't really know how we've uh, how we've managed to get this guest on um we have a, a director of football um yeah exactly this is what I mean how have we got this person on um no this is an absolute cracker of an episode uh, so yeah I hope you guys enjoy it and uh, we'll let him introduce himself now
3: Hi yeah so we've got Jerry with us uh, Jerry uh, would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit about uh, who you are what you're doing at the minute? Um, and what sort of where you come into in terms of the footballing
4: world? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having us. Um, my name is Jerry Strain. I'm the director of football for Hamilton Academical Football Club. Um, just now we're the 11th oldest club in Scotland. That's assuming no others go bust. <laughs> um, and uh, we're a, a full time club, but we're, we're currently performing in League One, which is the, the third tier of Scottish football. Um, we, we have to retain the full-time status because we've got a, an elite youth academy um, okay. where youth this year participated in the Champions League oh, um, fantastic. It's, it's quite ironic that we're a third-tier outfit uh, at the full-time piece but our kids are performing up there with it was we played uh, the, the Norwegian champions Okay. We, we played them a few weeks ago
3: um, how'd you get on?
4: we, we lost 3-0 over okay. in Moldy it was a great experience and then we beat them 4-1 at home Oh wow! so we no wait a minute 4-2 sorry 4-2 home so we lost out 5-1 goal difference oh gutting um, which it was sickening because genuinely if, if, if I could show you footage of the game they're, they're men you know they're well conditioned big physical Vikings mm. you know and we're just uh, we gadgets from Glasgow um, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's no disrespect to my team you know but we're just but are but well, just a good football outfit, but a lot of young kids with a 14-year-old playing, a um, 15-year-old wow. playing. Whereas Moldy, I've got guys that are playing, you know, playing in and around the first team. Um, right. In addition to that, we actually sold four of our players to the English Premier League and Championship over the summer. Oh, okay. So four of the kids who got us the, the league victory are now playing the trade down south, um, giving them pathways into, into the big ticket, if you like. Um one of your lads, made his Premier League debut last week against Arsenal.
2: Who was uh, that Mac
4: guy? Or Sheffield United, Ryan Oney. Okay. Yeah. He came on in the 83rd minute of the game at the Emirates. So, only six weeks ago, he was playing football in Scottish League One against Kelty. Wow. And uh, coming off the bench. And now he's playing against uh, Arsenal in the Emirates. So, Amazing. A lot of your viewers probably never heard the Hamilton Ackies, or if they have done, they've heard the name and maybe made light of it or a bit of humour against, you know got a bit of satire attached to the fact that we're a League One club and we've got this big long name, but what we do, particularly at youth level, would be do really really well. I, I would say it's unrivalled, in you know, in, in the UK for players coming through, getting onto senior pathways, you know. So, um, and that's there's a guy, a guy called George Cairns, who's academy director. He's been there for 16 years, I think. Um, a guy called Sean Fagan as well, um, and then all the coaches beneath them. Mm. Um, They've created pathways for so many into the game, like James McCarthy, James MacArthur, uh, Brian Easton, who was at Burnley, uh, Lewis Ferguson, who's now out in Italy, Scottish oh, wow. internationalist, uh, Ryan Oney, who's in the Premier League just now, mm-hmm. several others. So aye, it's we're a full-time club because we have that part of the club to look after, and that's what we really proud of that, mm. and the downside of that is a full-time club in League 1 is a massive drain in, in your financial resource, because you're paying top wages. But you're performing against teams that are either hybrid or part time.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: So, yeah. but hopefully, but hopefully we get to win the league this year and at least get promotion and get yeah. us back to the championship. We have you to get back into the SPL. Okay, it's you
1: know, yeah.
4: fascinating. You need to come up for a game, you
1: know.
4: It'd be, it'd be great to have these up. I know you probably know Hamilton fans and don't know much about us. No, I mean we,
2: we'd love to come up. Honestly, like we've, I've, I don't know if you've listened to a couple of sort of the, the episodes recently, but we had um, Richard Crick from Man v Fat on a few weeks ago, um, and we we're saying to him like, I personally, I've never been to an away game in my life. I've always Great. wanted to. Like, I love football, but it's just you know, it's the time, the money, and things like that to be able to go to these games. And uh, yeah. we're both Arsenal fans, so to go to an Arsenal away game, it's like gold dust to get a bloody ticket. Like it's an absolute nightmare. Um, so there's just no way you can realistically go to some of the, the away games. But like we go to our local once and now and then, and if they're playing, you know, reasonably local, we'll try and go to them. Um, but yeah, like we, I'd love to come up. That'd be that'd be amazing. Go up there. Good weekend.
4: I've got a few good contacts at Arsenal, so I can probably sort you out with away tickets.
2: Oh, Jerry, um, stop it.
4: <laughs> Arsenal's a great club. To be fair, um, I'm really friendly with a couple of agents who have got. You speak very highly, Arsenal, and, and, and they've, they've got great contacts in there, so I could sort of oh, that out. You get robbed it the weekend, eh?
2: Oh, don't. don't.
4: Damn. <laughs> we
2: haven't even done that, so he's going to do like a double <laughs> episode this week. So we do a special, obviously, with you and, and kind of release that as a separate standalone. Uh, we normally do like a review of the weekend's games, but I don't think I want to this week, <laughs> to be honest with you, after that.
4: You know, how many excuses, not to give a goal, does a referee in VR need?
2: Honestly, mate, I'm so glad you've said it like that because I mean, we've been getting a bit of a bashing over the last 24 hours in terms of you know what Arteta came out and said after the game, Uh, and obviously what the club have obviously you know secondly come out and said afterwards to back him up. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you've said that. So it's not just us (laughs) thinking the same,
4: (laughs) no, that's just an impartial view. You know, I've got obviously I can't say too much, but because Potentially up here. If I say something about Scottish football, you bring the game into disrepute. But
2: yeah, of course.
4: I think course. is not without its challenges, but it's down to there's this thing that who sits behind the screens. You know, you, you might know who they are, but where do their loyalties lie? You know, so if you look at the look at the Spurs and Liverpool game a few weeks back, yeah, you know, and, that's and it's, it's a game changer. You know, granted it was a mistake, and it was a miscommunication, but um, that's that's one of the innocent ones, but it cost. It cost the uh, it cost dearly, you know. And Liverpool, mm. Liverpool does you have to win. I think when the balance of play, but yeah, absolutely.
2: Enough. It's it's those yeah. knock-on effects, isn't it? It's you know that that one event in the game might have you know stopped a red card for argument's sake. But what's the knock-on effect of you know then being down to ten men? There's more space. You you know you're yeah. utilizing you know the right hand side, left hand side, whatever it may be. And it's that constant build-up.
4: Aye, it all changes. It's it's. Uh, but the, the Scottish VR There's a thing up here about. You know, there's only two teams in Scotland according to many, Celtic and Rangers. Mm. You know, if you ask a Celtic fan, they'll tell you that the the referees are biased against them. And if you ask Rangers fans, they'll say the same. Yeah, of course. Um, Hamilton Accies fans call them both the ugly sisters. (laughs) (laughs) And the irony is, it's um, you would drive by Hamilton Stadium to go to Celtic Park or Ibrox. So we we actually they don't do us any favours, conversely, um, or fan base wise, because people leave that catchment area to travel to to to, to Glasgow to watch the, the, the both of them. You know, and we could be doing me. We, we've only got six thousand and eighteen seats in our stadium.
2: Right. Okay.
4: Our average attendance is about eighteen hundred. Okay. Um, so it's not massive, but you think you know you'd be able to tap into that uh, that demographic quite easily, but it's it's no straightforward at all. We had that. Mm. We had a fireworks event at the stadium last night. We won all the charities, mm. and there was five and a half, six thousand people at it. Oh, wow! About, we got, got 1800 for a game, and it's all from the same community. Yeah. So how just, much
3: is it? How much is a ticket? What's the ticket prices?
4: Eh, roughly 20 quid. You know, is, okay. is the average. Some of the cup games. There was a cup game last week, and it was 12 pounds and eight pounds. Um, the latter stages is normally 20 pounds but i think 20 pounds is probably an average
3: yeah,
4: or, yeah. season tickets are really, really cheap in comparative terms to what you pay at the Emirates you know and, and stuff <laughs> you'd, as you'd expect um but it's just this um i think there's an apathy last year because we were relegated the fans mm. weren't happy quite rightly so um with where we we ended up um mm. but the irony is we've now got more season ticket holders this year really than we had last year no, really? It's bizarre. So there's a lot, there's a lot of politics going on. Um, a lot of fans were unhappy with the, the owner last year. Uh, the uh, okay. guy who, um, got quite nasty at times. It was quite, um, it's kind of vitriolic. Um, I experienced that myself. I still do. You know, uh, this, yeah,
2: Joe. Uh, you know I was going to ask. So you know, just that you said, it, it's obviously, you know, what the whole Man United thing at the moment as an example. Obviously, the Glazers get bashed week in week, like daily at the moment. And yeah. like from from your side well, you know, people blame the owners, they blame the directors of football. You know, it, it's you head guys that that will always bear the brunt of it, obviously managers as well. How do you deal with that? And like, what's it like dealing with that on a day to day?
4: Well, I'll give you, I'll give you like, hopefully two or three answers here that culminate in the one. So personally, for me, it doesn't bother me. Um, it's war over duck's back. Mm. Do you know? So fair enough. Yeah, I'm used to being called a fat bastard, or an arse. But I <want>. I'm used to out. that and that's from Will <laughs> <laughs> so, right, and, uh, so that, that doesn't bother me it's, it's, honestly it's it's powerful of course because ultimately the people around about me my subordinates and my superiors will, will judge how good or bad I am at my job and that's that's no disrespect to any fans everybody's got an opinion I keep saying this I've said it so many times everyone's got an opinion they're entitled to it and everyone's opinion's right but there are only so many opinions that matter yeah. And that's about the... See you just kind of keep reminding yourself and reassuring yourself of, of that state of fact. So the opinions that matter in the football club, in my opinion, <laughs> are um, we've got a manager, John Rankin, who is one of the best coaches in Scotland. Then he'll go on to bigger and better things, whether it's through us or whether it's through a different route. But he, he'll become one of the best managers in the UK, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's not that's not me kind of blowing smoke up his backside, that. You look at how hard he works and how thorough he is Hmm. and how respected he is and then take away who he is as a person from that. He's just a right good man. Hmm. when He's he's great with people and that's like, he's a perfect package for for what you'd want in a modern day coach. So in my opinion, he's a guy that's employed to be the football brains. It's not me, it's not the owners, it's not the chairman. It's no other directors, it's John, and John's assistant, Darren McKinnon, who played at the top of Scottish football for, for a decade. Mm. You know, he was, was one of the most feared centre midfielders that you come up against. People hated playing him. <laughs> so the other two guys in your dugout, they know what they're talking about, and what they're doing now is, they're giving our team an identity we never had before. It, it, you know, when Hamilton were in the Premier League before, if someone, you know, if you asked you know, what you expected to play against, it was... You're only looking forward to it. It was a horrible game. They were in your face. Mm. It's a plastic pitch. It was nasty. Now we're, we're playing fast attacking football when we're creating. I checked the stats today, actually, no, because of this, but something else. Mm. Apart from Celtic and Falkirk, we're, we create the most opportunities per game in Scottish football.
2: Wow, that's uh, a feat.
4: That's a feat. Now, Falkirk are top of our league. So obviously, we need to address that. You know, we, need, we need to get ahead of yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they the top of our league, be three points now and four goals on us. I think it is, but th- therein lies a story in itself. You know that two teams in League One who are going toe to toe with each other
1: hmm.
4: are creating more chances than Rangers, Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs per match. So that reaffirms for me that the guys who have got the opinions on the football side have got the right opinions because yeah. eventually these chances will come to fruition. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's our job to put the right players in place to make sure that. The, the philosophy they've got is is delivered. So that's one side. The other side is my kids are exposed to some of the abuse that that I've had. Do you know? So I had a I had a kind of personal ding dong with, with with some fans. Unfortunately, and the club was going through a really right bad time in January. Um, a lot of it was nonsense. You know, mm-hmm. it was a lot of nonsense. But you know, there's that, that that fight or flight thing, and I've never been a fast runner. <laughs> so, <laughs> So only a option, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Revert back to what you know best.
4: <laughs> it's part of who you are. When you grow up, you grow up in a scheme or an estate. You know, you 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 stay true to your convictions and, and your beliefs. And so my son's exposed to stuff, and my family, my wife is exposed to some stuff. That's not nice to see. Um, but again, I just need to say to them, look, just just ignore it. It's somebody who doesn't know his opinion of me just ignore it and turn off but they, they take it more personally because it's their dad their husband, or husband my wife probably agrees most of it to be fair <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she's probably doing it herself you know? <laughs> um, but that, that that bit of it um, that bit of it's not nice again it doesn't bother me but it's because I'm trying to teach my son you need to get used to this anyway because as you grow up you're going to have to deal with other scenarios similar um, but then, I, then I, I question, you know, who would do that and why? Yeah, I don't have time to sit at a computer and lambast people or, or, you know, call people out. I, I don't have time for it. You know, it's, mm. I'm busy in my life. I've got quite a good, happy life, quite a balanced life. So I then t- I take stock and think, ah, well, you know, it could be worse. I could be sitting behind the keyboard having to slag someone off. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so, And then the, the other side of it is you've the club. So you've got last year the owner of the club a guy called Colin McGowan who sold it this year he was he was putting six figures quite hefty six figures in to keep the club alive
1: oh wow
4: you know but he was he was the, the main focal point of the abuse because mm. Colin never understood football he openly admits himself he never dealt with the football stuff.
2: right
4: um, he, he had a board to do that for him yeah and a board of people who he thought were football experts that they would deliver that side of the business and he can go and focus on the money side um but the the gap between the fans and and the club just became massive and i never when I got involved with them I tried to buy the club initially that was how I, I became involved with them
2: oh, I wow. okay
4: I, I never appreciated that the gap in the bridge between the club and the fans was was so so huge
1: mm. you know
4: I, I i will get a few wins and it'll be fine and i, I completely underestimated that it was like naivety and at its best um I would even go as far as saying it's there, there was a hatred there. Wow, wow. Between a section of the fans and, and some within the club. And purely by default, I became part of that club. I became part of. I was on the same side as the guy that they hated.
3: Right, okay. Uh, so by but, default, you then took the flack because I, of that?
4: I, t- I took about a bit of because of that and also because I was quite vocal with things that I didn't think were right. You know, okay. and I, I don't think that. Just because you're a fan and because you care and because you, you spend 20 quid a week going to, going to see a club, I think there's a line over the abuse that people get. And at this time, I wasn't getting abused, to be fair, it was it was other people within the club. But the irony was, I found that more hurtful than me being abused. Yeah. I, I yeah. can't get around that. I don't, I, you know, I need to go and do a study myself to see a guy. I suppose they're so your guys. Just, <laughs> no. But, but I, I found that quite hurtful because. I'm watching what these people are going through day on day within a club as small as Hamilton to try and keep the to try and keep the heels in the bus, and, and I'm seeing what they're doing, legitimately doing, but that was never conveyed to the fans. The communication wasn't great; it wasn't good enough, you know, for a professional football club. Outwardly, I, mm. I had an issue with that. I think, I think we let ourselves down communicating. The communication as a board wasn't good enough. You know, we never knew. We turned up for a game one night and there's a new guy in the pitch. And we're like, who's this? Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh my god so There is like now if we're dealing with that as a board think how the manager feels and think how the fans feel
2: yeah, yeah of course it's,
3: you know, it's, so,
4: been,
3: it's an interesting point because we were talking about the owner of Sheffield Wednesday last yeah. week I think he was and what he's mm. been saying and it was almost like you can kind of understand where, where he's coming from with the abuse that his family's getting
4: but has he taken that too far eh uh, I, I can not speak for him I know but, but to be fair to, to our fans, you know, the, the loyal fans, there's not that many of them. And mm. they are loyal, you know, and, and they do care about the club. And all they want to know is that their club that was founded in 1874 is going to survive another 100 years and no, do a Rangers are, are an air yeah, about yeah. game.
2: Yeah, of course.
4: Um, so they just want to know their club's safe, secure, and they can c- continue to watch it. It's, they're real fans. You know, mm. if you look at us, Celtic or the Rangers particularly in Scotland, I would imagine if you go a number of years without success the fans will disappear, you know, but then you get the ones that, I think Celtic going through the, they're chasing that nine in a row season, they have had an empty well, three quarters of a stadium full mm. because they couldn't fill the seats it was only Brendan Rodgers coming in, that, so all these people come from nowhere, but at Hamilton we don't have that, we've got a nucleus and a core who go everywhere mm. Mm. and then at home there's a nucleus and a core and it's part of their life And I don't think that was respected in a correct fashion by the club, that's my opinion. Okay. I don't think it was I don't think the club willingly went out their way to to disengage. But it was almost as though this rift just seemed to build and build and build and it got to a stage that it was untenable, you know, and and that was probably the stage that I'd come in not realising what was there in front of me. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was starting to kind of speak factually about things and it just was not being accepted, you know, it wasn't I, mean, yeah. I, I I was using stats to back up what I was trying to convey and the stats were similar to the 300 season ticket holders, there's clubs in like, the, the seventh or eighth tier of Scottish football we have got that, you know, so wow, the, the okay. comparison okay. making was, by default, if we're basing it on here, we're a, we're a club at the lower regions of the Scottish Pyramid system, you mm. know, like, um, but that's not what fans want to hear, but I'm just being honest, because for the expectations and ambitions we've got we need to find money from somewhere to help us get there
1: mm.
4: you know because we can't hold on to players we can sell them they're, they're not with us to play 20 years at Hamilton Acquis they're, they're with us to try and get a pathway into Premier League or the SPL or go abroad yeah. so our duty I care to them is to sell them and then the club make money and the money goes back in and we just recycle and recycle Um, so we have to find money for somewhere and it's approximately 2 million quid a year is what it cost to run the club, so it's, it's 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 a challenge. When you try and convey that to fans? To be fair to them, it's no their problem.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, they're paying. You know, it you know, football's it's an entertainment game, point. isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah. like, it's. Well,
4: funny we're team last year we were dreadful. We <laughs> 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 that was the nee, that was nee the manager's fault. That was our fault. It was a club for not supporting the manager greatly, in my opinion. Okay. I, mean, that's I think that I think that we, I think as a club, if we sit back and take stock on it and, and speak openly and honestly, I may be shot down for this. I think that we, we let our fans down and, and, and we let our manager down, um, because the, John Rankin coming into that job, that was his first kind of major gig, you know, at, the, right. at that level. Yeah. Um, Darien McKinnon coming back to the club, was and is a club legend.
1: Hmm.
4: We are responsible for playing with their reputations, so that's the reality of it, you know. And okay. uh, that's that's maybe our other directors watching this will say, that guy's a bit soft and whatever. But it's, it's no soft. Honest. You know, no, I was it's say it's
2: it's refreshingly honest that because yeah, you yeah. don't hear like the Sheffield Wednesday and just going back to him for that. You don't hear you know owners, directors of football, whatever, at that top level, being that honest and open with the fans. Like it's, it's they know what's yeah. going on.
4: Because, see, at the end of the day, you may not agree with the fans' opinion, like I said earlier. You may not agree with their version of how football should be played, but they're not daft. They're watching the same as you're watching. Mm. They, may, they may miss some of the nuanced stuff that, you know, why you do certain things. You know, like, I think last year we heard something about phew, the left winger with a winger, and it excuse my language, but who the, who the fuck does he think he is, going over to that corner, taking his time like that, playing keepy <laughs> Right. But the keepy-uppy was a signal for the move we were going to play for that set piece. Ah, uh, OK. okay. Right, so, but this is stuff that fans won't hear that, fans won't know that, because you're not going to share that intelligence.
2: No, of course.
4: Right? But So there's certain things that are finally nuanced within a game that might look out of the ordinary, that might look something like something that is not... But the perception is that you're 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go, you need a goal, and then your, your winger's going to play and keep you up with the ball, taking his time into the corner flag. Yeah. He's, he's doing that because he's passing out a message and a signal that you're hoping to convey to your other teammates without spelling it out. Mm. You know, But there's wee things like that. So if we're doing that at your level, you can imagine what Man City and Tottenham and Arsenal and Liverpool are doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At you know, they probably get grommets in their ears. You know, <laughs> <something to say. laughs> implants and all sorts. <laughs> so there's, I mean, there's, that. But I'm glad that you've taken that as being honest because that's the mm. my job. My job I mean, there's certain things that you just don't discuss because it's, it's for the privilege of board level only or, or whatever. But when it comes to watching the game as a spectacle and you're saying it's an entertainment game, you have to be honest because we're all watching the same thing. You know, and we're all expecting the same outcome. So. I don't have an issue, being honest. I'd rather, I'd rather be honest and go to sleep at night than sit and blow smoke up people's asses and and be laughed at in the way the door because they made a mess. You know.
2: Yeah, I mean, also at the end of the day, they're paying to watch watch the team play. So there's a slight sense of they're entitled to their opinion. They are, you know, paying the bills to a certain or contributing to the bills. I,
4: well, everyone. Is, it goes back to what you said at the start. Everyone's got an opinion entitled to it, but the, hmm. the opinions that really. Matter, at that moment in time because everything's just a moment in time it's only temporary but the opinions that matter at that time are the guy that's picking the team and his assistant who's assisting him you know and then the the, 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 the analyst or the sports scientist whoever's giving a bit of input about he's fit he's not fit or whatever you know they're, they're yeah. the opinions that matter it's what I think about it doesn't matter a damn you know I'll speak to I'll speak to your manager before during and after every game and it'll be a conversation mm. you know and he might take something that I've said to him and think, actually, I never thought of that, and he'll go and check it out himself, because that's what a good manager would do. Yeah, absolutely. He be like, why does Jerry think that? Is it because he's talking about or has he spotted something that we've missed in the heat of the moment? But it's up to him what he does with that with that feedback. So yeah. my job's you not know, to help him put a team in the part and then pick so, his stack. My job's to get him the players that he needs to, to deliver his vision of football.
3: So, what is your job on a day to day then? How you, what would you say you do?
2: Also, how long have we got?
4: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I, I probably make, I make some more than I do right. I've got, I've, got, well, I've got the role at the football club, which is a far bigger role than expected. Um, okay. The I've got my own business as well. Um, out with that, but the football piece has taken up a lot of time. Um, my role would involve well, what it involved this summer. So I took over the, the role in the first of June. We got a new owner, uh, Serif Zengin, a Turkish chap. Um, he's different class. You know, if, if you think I'm honest, you want to get Serif on your show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jerry,
2: we'll get you to get him on for next week if that's all right then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's
4: a great guy. He's um, he's a great guy. He's an honest guy, and, and he's but he, he's driven. You know, he's driven, he's very determined and he's he's a winner. So the, all those boxes I completely respect him and that's you know, done through Brick Wallstrom, the same as my same as your marriage, they do the same for him. So he he asked me to do a certain thing uh, role wise within a club for the first of June and that basically involved getting players into the club because we didn't have any. Um the way the contracts in Scotland work, they're slightly different to the English FA. You, your contracts generally come to an end on the thirty first of May. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas down south, it's maybe the first or second week in June that the contracts yeah. coming end. So on the first of June this year, we had I think it was seven signed players. Um, and pre season was the twenty fifth of June or something. I like think it was or something like that. Wow. So, right. So we, we didn't have a we didn't have a team. We never had a squad. And bearing in mind we'd just been relegated, we had to quickly put together a squad that we hope would win the league. And allow you know sustainers to get back to the SPL in two years. So it was a, initially it was like a two-year plan, a two-year vision that we thought we could try and come up with. Um, so we quickly pulled together the analysis, of the players that we wanted, and it was head down, backside up for for three weeks to to get the players in. And we've done it. We've brought in I think I've brought in sixteen players so far, um, all of which belong to us, with the exception of one who's on loan. Okay. Whereas last year with the number of loans from Newcastle, Stoke, Fulham, and, and the likes. Okay, and, um,
3: that's quite a significant that, change, isn't it, to go from loaning those sort of players into then investing in the club like that.
4: Yeah, it, it's, well, it's more than significant. I mean, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, well, we've now got a we've now got a squad of assets, you know, that are, yeah. that are worth, you know, I depending on where you look, transfer room or transfer market, or whatever. I think transfer room. Was squad's worth about five million in total, which you think in England it's comparative terms it's the, the kid we sold to Sheffield United was sold for like two, three hundred grand. He's made his Premier League debut, so he's done. he's worth <laughs> purely because he's played right, but you know, so but the value on the transfer rooms five million, the value on a transfer market I think is so about four four and a half or four. Depends where you look. But they're our players, we wow. hmm. own them. Um, and what we did was we gave them a two-year contract as well. So, okay. we, or most of them get a two-year contract. We, we, were, we were confident that these guys were good enough to take us through one or two levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just need to add to that. And then hopefully, we give ourselves a fighting chance of at least surviving in the next league if, if we get promoted. But the, the change in that structure was, was significant. Um, what it also means is the players are committed to the club. So no disrespect to a lone player, but we'd kids going back to Fulham and and Newcastle, and they knew they were going back. Whether mm. they were not. Yeah, you know. So I'm not saying they weren't invested, but they they're, they're going to get back to get a wage for another two or three years. does not really matter. Whereas these guys we've got now, are, they're buying into the club, they're buying into John's message, they're buying into we're playing football. Yeah, and hopefully they've got a good relationship with the fans that that carries us through. You know mm. the, the campaign and next. So that was my role was um, to put that in place, get the players in the building, and then support John in whatever ways I had to. And then to put in place a uh, an analyst department. Okay. Uh, so we already had a first team analyst, Daelum McKean, different class. Uh, he came from Bristol City, um, a great guy. So he's come in, and he's now got a team of scouts covering the whole of Scotland and Ireland. Uh, sorry, whole of UK and Ireland. Um, wow. So we take in, I think it's 47 games a week we take in My God. as a club. Um, so for a League One outfit, we're operating at a, a Premier League level from yeah, a yeah. scouting and intelligence capacity now. Whether or not we can afford to get those players in is another thing. But what we will, what we will do is we'll find, we'll find a gem in a National League, for example, yeah. who would be happy to come up, play straight, maybe get a move. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll find a couple of gems in Ireland whose league finishes... Whose league finished on Friday last week, in the playoffs are this week. Right, he will be a huge over there, and hopefully through that scouting coverage, we've now got visibility of players that we never had before. Um, yeah. That that infrastructure in place, and that's down to Declan. Granted, I've given him, I've given him a, a bit of assistance. Where here's what we need, and here's how we do it. Mm. Declan's, Declan's gone and put that in place, and spends a massive amount of time on it. And then the medical department, we brought that in house as well. So we hired a head of medical, and then we've got couple of assistant physios. Brilliant. We've got a sports science piece, some full time guys in there and some interns from Ireland.
2: So sorry, was that outsourced uh, previously then Jerry, do you say? You brought it in house this season?
4: Yeah the physio piece was outsourced. Um there's pros and cons to that, you know. Um I don't think it worked as well last season as as it could have for whatever reason. You know, I wasn't I wasn't directly involved in it. Right. Um but I think with it being in house you've got a lot more control. Mm-hmm. Um the guys who were involved last year Really competent in the field, um, but I think through known football, players are kind of keeps as a habit, mm. and, and they want things to be in house, and they basically they need mollycoddle, they need love, and they need they need attention. You know, yeah. like some guys moan if the peg's not properly, you know, and <laughs> you need to, um, it's a change game for you, know, for what it was. But so the more that's in house, the better, because if you ask any senior pro yourself, they'll always say they'll, they'll try and find excuses. You no, know, they food's not good yeah my boots were my boots are no right. there's, there's always an excuse so your job really is to mitigate that risk and the only way to do that is to control it you know, yeah. and. so we've now got the medical piece in-house we've got the the, the analysis piece the sports science piece and then john with the football piece is all it's all in-house uh, and then the academy sits just kind of parallel with that um so it's, it's a massive massive operation for, for such mm-hmm. a small
2: yeah, I was gonna say I was that? sorry, Will. Just to interject quickly, I was, I was scrolling through. I wasn't being rude. I was trying to find your post uh, that you posted just as the season started on LinkedIn because there was a post and it, you listed about four hundred and twelve different things that you'd actioned over like thirteen weeks of the summer.
4: Yeah, see, I,
2: I. I was just trying to honestly, like you. Obviously, you're very active on LinkedIn. So I couldn't find it, but there was so much on there. You've been doing some academy stuff, obviously. You know, finding the first team. Uh, you're doing some pitch improvements I think or something like that before or training improvements yep like,
4: I how, did... do you, how
2: do you get the time
4: <laughs> to be fair it was um, that was a challenging time that, that was challenging that was maybe that was about a six week period where it was it was just like showed it to the wheel um, it was it was tough and I, you know and my business I had to suffer during that period mm. you know, so basically I had no focus whatsoever in my own business, um, away from away from the, it was hundred percent attention to the football stuff. Um, my family life suffered as well because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't um, putting the time and effort, in that should have been at home. It was just football, football, football. But the reason for that, and, and the God's honest truth behind that, was I think we let our manager doing that badly last year as a club right. that I was prepared to go into the position I'm in and allowed to be let down again. So there, there was an emotional driver behind that. It wasn't just about, it, it's, it's not about me, it's yeah. about almost protecting, look, like you don't deserve what you experienced last year. I'm going to put my full weight behind There's plenty of weight on me. <laughs> I'm going to put my full weight behind making sure that you get as good a chance as you have. The rest of it's down to you. So I, I had to get it right, and I had to put the time and effort and the commitment into it. I couldn't do it half-hearted. Nah. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I took as much of the pressure away from John as I possibly could, so that he could focus on what he's amazing at. You know, that was my that that was my goal. That was my personal objective, and oh. that was my driver. And I mm. I spoke about that at home. I spoke about it in here to my my staff. Um, my objective was, I know that we've got a, a, an amazing manager who's an amazing guy as a human being. Mm. He's fundamentally he's a he's a good guy, fundamentally, and on top of that, he's very very good at what he does, and he's got a lot of progress that we make. But we were hindering that progress, and I I thought that we played with his reputation a bit, and I did not think it was right. And on a personal level, that I, I struggled with that, so I, I wasn't going to let that happen again. Um, and I had the backing of the e owner, who who put me into this role, so I didn't want to let him down either. Mm. And because he's trusting me with it. With the keys to his baby, you know it's like he's just bought yeah. this club. If, if I go and b- bring in dribble that's, that's no good enough for the job. It's going to reflect badly on him as well. So the, the pressure I put myself under was pretty immense, but it was for well-founded reasons.
1: Mm.
4: It was for really well-founded reasons. It was um, to try and serve and protect John, and to, to, to serve and protect the guy that's bought the club.
1: Yeah. And it
4: was a it, it was a privileged position to be in. You know, a great learning curve. I probably made, I don't know how many mistakes I made. You know, because of the amount of activity I was doing, the amount of mistakes is probably through the roof and I've not found them yet. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got to learn
2: from that though, don't you? Exactly.
4: You know, I will learn from it. I don't mind learning from it. But what I do know is that I kind of cleared the way for John to do his bit. And we only lost the first game competitively this season on Saturday. Um, So we were unbeaten from July all the way through to Saturday there. So that kind of tells me that that was the right thing to do, and, and John's the right guy to do what he does. Yeah. You know, he, so it's um, aye, that, that's that's what it was. But it was a significant workload. Um, yeah. I I'd probably do, it in a more smarter fashion. If I, if the same thing came around again, I'd be more clever. But we, we there was only me. Mm. The only the infrastructure wasn't there. Um, the only of the club was in Turkey because he was going through the acquisition um a lot of the stuff had to be kept confidential because obviously there's a change and change in ownership and stuff and yeah so there was I was it was literally flying solo the the owner of the club previously helped me massively you know we a bit of advice and a bit of guidance he he helped me massively just deal with it
2: right
4: but time wise it was it was a it was a 24-hour job for, for about 6 weeks um so but you know it, it was
0: Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: Their manager's done me a favour because if he was hopeless, and distracted this shit, I'd have been out job.
2: Yeah, the, the pressure's on. Then you get a few more fans, you know, shouting a, a few abusive uh, terms at you for sure.
4: <laughs> oh, on, couldn't I couldn't get any worse, man. So it was. I was. I <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't bothering <laughs> was me, but no, that's that's the reasons for it. It was significant, and it was. I was involved in stuff that a director of football shouldn't have to be involved in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But They needed doing things like buying socks for the players turning up. Really. please wow. You know, it's things you can <laughs> think about. But we, because there's a change, a kit supply, and we're waiting a kit coming. You've got all these new players coming in, some from Premier League clubs in Scotland, and. There's no training socks, just wee things.
1: You no, know. Yeah.
4: Supply of water, supply of towels, and just things that, that you take for granted. So there was stuff I wasn't involved in that was time-consuming that was none of my business, and none of my role, but it but it needed doing. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was a learning curve that was it was good for me. Put, yeah. put stickers in my chest and take them <laughs> off my head.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds like there's that passion from you and that love of the club. So you're now, and it's working because, like you say, you've lost one game now, uh, three points off off top place. So I assume it's all, you're doing all of this for that to then gain promotion and get to the SPL, I assume.
4: Aye, well, but again, it goes back to, it's not the job I do. The the, the job I do is like one clock in a massive wheel. Yeah. Mm. The the real work is done with John, Darien and and whoever they've got on the training field. Mm. Because if that that part doesn't work, it doesn't matter what I do. (laughs) Okay. I, can't affect, I can't affect what happens in the park. I'm not qualified to I mean we had a conversation today myself, the chairman and the owner of the club, and we had a conversation about the game on Saturday, you know, we lost one 0 Should we have loss, should we not? What could we have done better? All this kind of stuff. And at one stage I'd said to, to both the guys that like, we're due to There's three of us here sitting having a conversation with the benefit of hindsight. And not one has got a qualification in football. <laughs> <laughs>
2: when you put it so simply that's mad that's absolutely mad
4: (laughs) that's the reality and that's probably the reality in 95% of boardrooms across across football yeah so but it was one of those ones that I'm sitting saying right I know we're disappointed we get beat I know that we need to win the league I know that it's put pressure on us but we created 15 chances the other team created 4 or Mm.
1: 5
4: I know you can't live your life in stats but eventually the stats will come good yeah. If, we created, if we created two chances, then fine. We're doing something wrong. Yeah, we've still created another fifteen chances in a game that we never played well. Yeah. you could argue. half the team never turned up. And we created fifteen chances, so it was at that stage. It was how how can I communicate effectively with my board? <laughs> no to, and and put it in layman's terms. That you know, we we pay him because he's the expert.
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: We're here because it's your job to bring money to the club and to make sure that we we can prosper and grow so it's it's good to maybe if you can keep that in mind I know the emotion gets in the way and stuff but
1: mm-hmm.
4: sometimes the reality checks is good you know it's <laughs> if any of us were managers we'd be sitting in a dugout and we'd be you know what would we have done differently yeah. you know it's, it's, it's mad it, it, you get caught up in the moment so fascinating <laughs>
2: it's, yeah genuinely fascinating like the inside so of getting here so is it just it's blowing my mind I love this yeah.
4: Uh, but I'd imagine if you voted, you mentioned the Glazers I mean, what do they know about football I, I don't know because I don't know much about them but I wouldn't have thought they was as much as Ten Hag you know how do they make players do what they want them to do yeah exactly they, yeah. they
3: don't and we're seeing the ripple effect that that that's kind of has on the clubs doesn't it when you either it don't let it. your manager manage or you, you've got like, like that sort of background noise rumbling on
4: well, it, it must filter through I think um, I don't think for a minute that our manager last year was told what to do by anyone I, I couldn't tell you if that's the case or not but I don't think that's the case because I reckon he probably walked if that was the case he's quite a, he's a strong enough character but mm. what, what I do know is that the ripple effects from off the field certainly affected on the field both commercially because there wasn't enough money and then just through a general satisfaction coming to your work you seen it that people were turning up last year and doing a job and going the reason you stadium just now, people don't want to leave. you right. know? Even I hate going in because I know I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I actually hate going in because I caught up in this. It's just a good place to be, and the people are in it are great and they're honest people. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you, I had mean, a run in with the assistant manager after my first game. We drew with, with Cove, the team that beat us the weekend, and I'd walked in and I'd say to him, What the hell happened there? And he said to me, Oh, well, we need a box to box and a And I replied to him in a fashion that he didn't appreciate. And <laughs> the, the two of you ended up kind of, you know, it was very, very, very close to rolling <laughs> to, to about together, you know. <laughs> 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 but, but there's an honesty there that, you know, and, and that night we're in a conversation on the phone, you know, and it's, it's, it's done, dusted, and I completely respect his passion, his honesty. Yeah. You know, and. Now we get to today, we lost a game at the weekend, and I was sitting thinking, shit, see me they box, the
2: box in <laughs> <laughs> But I suppose, you know, the, the longer you work with people, you build up that that working relationship, you, you know how each other work a bit more, and obviously you learn more about each other from a personal level as well. So eventually you can have these conversations, even in the heat at the moment, obviously the passion in, in football is just, I think it's unmapped really in anything else. So that's yeah. always going to flare to the top, isn't it?
4: I, I think that was a bad one because... I felt under pressure because I was responsible for bringing the players into the club, and we needed to go off to a good start. Yeah. So I I, I probably allowed that pressure to get to me, and then Darien was allowing the pressure to get to him because he's responsible for what happens in the park. Mm. And we, we drew a game we should never have drawn. So I think it was just like a it was a perfect ingredient for a for a blow up, you know, and, and you probably get two of the wrong guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, you know. So it was only going to go one way, you know. But, but you know, what what, a, what a great, honest, passionate guy, you know. So, because you'd rather, you'd rather have that in your in your dressing room and and, and your coaching staff than, than somebody somebody doesn't care, you know.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's
4: fascinating. It's, it's, there's, there's there's so much goes on that you know you you just take for granted as a fan or things you don't even think about. You know when you're. Looking at football for the for the outside, then you know there's there's loads that happens, and it's been a learning curve for me. It's yeah. it's taught me a lot about business as well. You know, it's it's taught okay. me. You know, I'm involved in a business at delivers level service. And um, the football piece, like you said earlier, Benjamin, you um, it's entertainment business.
1: Hmm.
4: We, we need we to remember who we're entertaining. There's yeah. no there's no us sitting with suits on in, in the director's box. It's it's the punters that are coming out—the wives, and their kids, and, and their grandkids. That's who, that's who we can that's, that's who we exist to serve, yeah. and that's yeah. often forgotten about. You know, it's it's often forgotten about, which is unfortunate. Mm. You you played at quite a good level, though, didn't you? Back in the day? No quite, mate. No, no. I went, to, went down to Swindon Town. We it was um, Glen Hoddle, we just left, and John Gorman took Over um, a guy called Adrian Riddeford had brought me down there. He's I think he passed away a couple of years ago. Adrian Redford and John Trollope were in charge of Youth Academy and Not down there. I didn't make it. I wasn't good enough, Um down there they, were, they made the Premiership that year they had Jan Agafjortoft and John Moncur. Yeah. Nicky Somerby, Paul Bowden, Michael Coquine Laurie Sanchez and the like, that was a, a really good team, they got relegated the following year Steve McMahon took over um, and yeah. Steve McMahon's directive was that I think actually English football might have changed at the time I'd need to go and fact check this, but there was a thing about um, it was regional, regionalisation of clubs, so right. you couldn't bring clubs in from, from out, out with. It, didn't, it wouldn't have affected me, but um, that would be a good excuse. Steve I kept that, that as a good excuse as well. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to clip it and edit that back? It's <laughs> <laughs> actually
4: like shit hot, they could have made the <laughs> But um, no, it, it, it wouldn't have affected me because it's coming from Scotland and had a couple of Scottish kids there at the time as well. But Stevie McMahon had this thing about local focus and local growth, whereas Glenn Hoddle with a more holistic view. So he was wanting... He was basically trying to make something that was greater than a provincial club.
2: Right.
4: It's philosophy, the way he played and stuff. It was, that was a good experience. Um, ironically, Janaga Fyotov was there, and they sold him to Henton Middlesbrough. Um. And last week, Last week I was in Molde, sorry, last month I was in Mouldy for our Champions League game with the kids. Mm. And he I actually met up with, with his kind of best mate, who is the director of Molde. So he, he, he tried to phone him for us, you know. And, oh, uh, wow. his, father's, his father's now in charge of Iceland. Uh, Benedict, his dad, so he's director of Molde, his dad's my Iceland manager. And, wow. and the connection was short off, you know, it's mad. So crazy. I, never, I never made it, mate. I wish... Um, I wish I had stuck in, but what happened with me was I'd bounced about some clubs, but it was never big clubs. No disrespect to Swindon or Queenie South or anything like that, but I'd bounced about and I wasn't good enough just to make it to that level. Um, And I gave in. So, see, instead of when I look at kids now, I'm signing players for League One or League Two, the wages are not great, but, but they're playing professional football in front of two, three thousand a week. I should have done that. Instead, mm-hmm. instead of giving in, but right, okay. my my psyche, if you like, is if I'm not going to be able to get what I want from it, I just turn my back on it, and I'll focus and I'll focus. I've got a lot of drive, and I'd rather focus that in something I know I can do well. But I wish, you know, in hindsight now I'm 44 now. In hindsight, I wish I'd just bounced about, even playing junior football or something. I wish i I wish I'd made a career for myself at that level, but I just packed it in. Um, what I started doing quite early was I had a really good football network.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Right. Um, through being involved in football and, and keeping my toe in it. And I started getting kids clubs. You know I'm saying okay. kids. So I was, I was only 25 at the time. you know what I'm... But, um, but I was getting people clubs that had been freed. So people might have been freed from Celtic Rangers hearts or whatever. Mm-hmm. I put a few players down to Swindon Town because I kept in touch with, with Ross McLaren and a couple of others down there. Um although Ross never kept in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a that was a, a, a gateway for me to put people down to Swindon. Um and I I got I basically tried because I know what the rejection's like, yeah. It was easy for me to give that advice.
2: Yeah,
4: of course. it and it was almost like a like it's bittersweet, you know, it's like I know I wasn't good enough. You know, it's not because I an injury, it's no because you know, you get all these bad luck stories. I just wasn't good enough. That's, you know, what it boils down to. But I could take that experience and pass it to someone who is good enough, and basically advise them not to give in. You know, and, and yeah. to keep doing it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I've got a lot, of, I've got a lot of gripes with football as it stands today with the academy structures. Um. Not so much yours because we we exist for the kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: When you look at Celtic and Rangers and these big guys. Mm. They bring kids in, and you know they're never going to get a pathway through to the top. And then they get released, and they fall out of the game. Right. Yeah. Okay. Massive abundance of talent that Scottish football could benefit from.
3: Yeah.
4: All these academies that we're missing out on. You know, Do and, and then, five years down track, you get punters saying, "Ah, Scottish football, shit. There's not enough." It's because we've just lost a generation of players.
1: Mm, yeah. Because
4: the big guy brought them all in like a sausage factory and. And, and no, we've not progressed them. So we're losing yeah. all the talent, you know. And it's that—that for me is—I I don't know how you address that. One of the one of the ways could be reserve football. We don't have. We're starting to reintroduce it now, but a proper reserve league. Like you know, when I was down south, when I was down to Swindon, and it was in the trial stages, yeah. I was like to play reserve football, but you're playing against guys that are pros. Yeah. You know, when you play a bad pass, and they tell you you've played a bad pass, mm-hmm. that's the best way to learn absolutely yeah because I mean well, football
2: football is brutal isn't it realistically
4: yeah. and but you need to learn get, that when you've got a senior guy telling you that you're, you're a dumpling you know because of the pass that you've played you don't do it again no of course no. not <laughs> if, if, you're a, if you're a kid playing under 18s football or under 21s or under 23s mm. against under 18s under 21s 23s you can only progress to the same level as what you're playing against or what you're playing with
2: absolutely yeah
4: if you bring me a guy that's 33 34 year old that's been round the block, and he's trying to get himself fit to get back in the team. He's got fifteen years playing experience mm-hmm. that he can pass on and share with you. Show you different techniques, or you know, different strategies or structures during the game that will help you develop your game. Yeah, of course. So, uh, there's, there's probably so much that we can do that we don't do. Up oh, certainly in Scotland, um, I know we're going through about a, a good spell just now. We, we were a national team. We're doing not too badly. Well, we. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you guys keep me down. Uh you showed us a different level again. Um, but we, we were, I think that there's certainly progression there. But we need to how do we, how do we get to a, a Bellingham level? You know, how do we get to a, a Harry Kane level? You know, that's a it's about up again.
2: Yeah, I think that's a totally different conversation, though, isn't it? That one, <laughs> especially those two as uh, as examples. I oh, but,
4: but it, but the it starts I, at youth, doesn't it?
3: It starts it in that, where that where that is and. I think England have done the same sort of thing as what you're saying is is getting that youth in, but then just not utilising it, and then they just go and then don't and then they're playing sort of down in in, in sort of local leagues. So, I think it's definitely a problem.
4: Aye, it is, but it's, it, it's how you fix that? It's, it's above my pay grade. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to sit in a committee that gave ideas in, you know, yeah. but it takes a lot of investment. It takes a lot of patience, and I think it takes somebody with the balls to turn around and say, hold on a minute. We can't afford to lose another generation. Yeah. yeah. So if, you, if if every if it's mandatory that every club in football has got a reserve team, right away in Scotland you've got another forty teams created. Mm-hmm. You get another forty teams of fifteen players potentially. That's it's a lot of players that are getting for you know yeah. getting football at a higher level than under eighteen and twenty three. So mm. to me it goes back to the common sense analogy, you know, like, Yeah. <laughs> it's like just keep it keep it simple. You know, do don't, yeah. don't confuse it.
2: But does that come oh, yeah. with, you know, additional cost though as well to run a reserve team? Because you know, finance is a, it is a big thing, of course, as well. So yeah, yeah.
4: that's why we don't have it up here. Mm. You know, it's a cost thing, but surely go to the national game, then have to come up with the resources or the ways of doing it. Yeah. Or FIFA, or UEFA have to come up with a way of doing it that it's, you know, that it's benefiting the game in general. You know, because yeah. it's a powerful, powerful sport. It's, it connects so many people in so many different ways you know? And, and um, but at the same time, for for kids coming through, our job should be to make pathways for them. That that's your role, you know. And, and at the same time as entertaining the fans that watch for first team football, if you've got an academy, or you've got a youth system. It needs to be legitimate to the to the point that you can proof test it and say, well, come to us and you you've got a better chance of getting a career in the game than there would be if you go to Celtic Rangers or whoever, you know. And mm. first we can do that just now, but. It's how do we make it better and again? We're with, with limited resource. I mean, to contextualise that, who academy operate with a three hundred thousand pound budget? Okay. Um, Moldy was two and a half million. Wow. That was that was sitting wow. a guy called Thomas Mort, who played for Moldy and he's a, he was assistant manager at Moldy and he's now in charge of the youths. And he was telling me that it's two and a half million quid they spend on on their academy set up and their infrastructure, and we've got three hundred grand. Yeah. So wow. Even in, even in Scotland, um, I, I'm not going to name the teams, but I know one of the teams particularly because I spoke to their uh, director of football, and they're spending 1.6 million. Mm. They're nowhere wow. near where we are. Um, so that's down to the hard work of the guys that's in that system and what they're prepared to put into it. Yeah,
3: Does that go for women's football as well? So if having a women's team,
4: is that is that
3: kind of a similar
4: outlay and stuff? Well, I see with the changing in landscape of politics in Scotland. I could probably get a game for the women's team just now if I, if I reinvent myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, uh, I might identify Geraldine today. Hey, you might make it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I might make it. I've certainly got a physique for it. So,
2: Will, you're feeling brave already. He's just slagging the guests <laughs> off. He's literally there.
4: We've got a women's team uh, that, that's... that's Again, it's it's no part of the club directly, so the women the women's football team, it's our crest, our badge, our Stadium that they use, but they're not part of that, that set up as yet. Okay. Um, and again, the resources, the, the golfing resources is massive. Bobby does a great job in charge of them, but it, in a sincere note, with the changing landscape of football and so on, that is an area that that's the next big thing. You know, commercially, that will you know that will either get to or surpass the, the, the mail game you know at some point because somebody will throw a lot of money into it and like a lump it, you, you get the people that, that cry out for you know this the, the, the quality that they say didn't exist you know mm. and, and it's quite you kind of have to bear that in mind it's, 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 it's a challenge cause it's, because you've got that perception you know that, <laughs> if you ask Richard Tease <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's, a, he's, not a good, he's not a good reference point you know but they <laughs> change of, um, the, the, the change of the landscape from what it was to, to what it is and where it's going, it, it's, it's going to demand a lot of money, it's going to demand a lot of infrastructure, a lot of commercial activity. Um, we need to try and get in that bandwagon. And I think urban women's team do really well. They, maybe not in terms of results, but, you know, the results aren't there yet, but they do well in terms of how they put it out there and the buy-in that they get for the community and the, and the people that's involved. And it's it's actually quite enjoyable to go to watch it's yeah. yeah. Quite enjoyable, aye, aye. And you you guys won the, the Lions won the is it Europe the, the Euros. Yeah. It, so, aye. You know, so the proof's in the pudding if you if you stick at it and you invest in it, success is, is achievable, you know?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean we had um we had Steph Meek on f- well, about a couple of months ago now. So she runs uh, our local team, Margate, she runs their women's team. She's their manager yeah. there and, and chatting to her and she gets really good buy-in from the the sort of men's side of the club. It's all under sort of you know one roof, so to speak, and she gets yeah. really good backing. But money wise, you know, they're, they're not paid at her level yet. You know, I think it's next if they get promoted. I think they get paid, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. So they kind of go into that sort of semi-pro status and bits and pieces like that. But the buy-in yeah. she gets and the support from the club and the community is is just insane. Uh, you know, they get well, a couple of hundred going to their games.
4: Yeah, well, we, we to be fair, we I think if the way we support it as a club I believe I'm going to double check this but if you've got a season ticket I think you can get access to the girls games or the women's oh, games okay. I'm sure that's the kind of bridge but the rest of it we need, we need to work we need to work harder to work more closely with them but it's because it's new and, and because the club's going through a transition period as well mm. there's there's a bit of growth that's, that's still to go but it's, um, it's something it's essential that you have you know I've got a daughter she's you know in the football but um but if she was having that outlet for her i think i think it's i think it's only fair reasonable and and, and mess, that she's got that the same opportunities that my son's got
2: absolutely you
4: know, yeah that's yeah. i'm happy the game's going that way you know but it's um it's still quite a considerable way behind commercially but i, I can see catching up at some point you know yeah definitely oh, it's interesting but uh... <laughs> <laughs>
2: absolutely um honestly we've got so many questions um yep I don't know. I'll say, where do we start? But so, in terms of kind of the the plans for this season uh, and everything that you've you kind of implemented so far, you know, where do you see yourself? Uh, obviously, I know we're going for promotion, etc. But the team generally, how do you see that evolving over the next couple of seasons?
4: Today, I can't look that far ahead. Just now, we've got because that would be that would be dictated by budget. Um, okay. Well, what I can see is I'm just now I've I'm, I'm looking at January to see how we can improve what we have in January. Mm -hmm. I'm also looking at June. um, Already? As well. Yeah, aye. As of the 1st of January, you can maybe get a player in a a pre-contract.
2: Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course.
4: So that that work needs done now. Um, So I'm working on that with the manager and with Declan. um, And we've made contact with a number of players. Whether or not it comes to fruition is another thing, but we're working on that. On Monday... Tuesday next week I'm in Lisbon for the, the transfer room I've got a forum okay. and there's like I think there's 165 clubs participating in that so I've got, I've got meetings set up in Liverpool and uh, 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 shoot in Belgium and a few others to, to set up networks at a bigger level
3: oh, fantastic. Um,
4: that's that's in Monday but aye so I think the plan would be get out of this league into the championship if we heard the championship we need to bring in several new additions mm-hmm who are either in the Premier League or in that gap. So, Declan devised a new structure for for, um, for scouting. Then mm-hmm. we're classifying players as A, A+, A, B plus, B, in these categories. And then we're basically tying in the divisions. So, A-plus would be Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, whatever.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, we'd be the bottom end of the SPL. B would be the top end of the Championship. B-plus would be the bottom end, B-minus. Okay. So, we... So we can clearly identify what players we think can play at those levels, and what that does is it it, it focuses your attention in your shortlist. Mm. So you, might, you might start off with 100 players per position, and then it's okay. We'll, we'll five scouts watch this guy, and the average of the five scouts' reports give us A, B, C, D, E, whatever you know. And we can then focus and hone in on what level of player we want to try and capture, and hopefully mm. that'll hopefully that's a it's a good method uh, methodology of working. So, that's, that's in place just now. They see, we're watching 44, 47 games a week. Um, and we're just faulting our way through uh, those players to see if there's anyone that we've missed or anyone that we're not aware of. Um, and that's going to be our short window for uh, uh, January and, and June. But okay. we might want the players, but they might not want, want to come to us. Yeah. So, you know, that's the flip side of it. So, it's, it's obviously maybe like into Harrods you know we're a tenner <laughs> <laughs> the baskets there that
2: you the- use are quite nice though <laughs> <laughs> right, you, can,
4: you can leave an empty bag good, you know, for no substance exactly
2: um, <laughs> you never know you can always pull off a find a bargain somewhere I suppose can't you that's the
4: thing right, so that's, that's it so um, that, aye, that's where we're at so January I've already started working in January um, we've got the manager's get three key targets he's identified. Mm. Um, I've already made contact with, with the three of them.
2: Okay.
4: Um, so we'll need to see how that plays out. And then we've got a, a plan B for, you know, if those three can come or want to come or don't come. Mm. We then know when to do next, but it's very, very specific targets.
2: Okay.
4: Um, and then for June, that'll be a, a conversation that we, we have loosely. Yeah, but we'll start to firm up on that in, in January, and and hopefully we can get, we're, get we're ducks get a row. Um You said two years if if we get promoted from the the Championship to the SPL, that's a game changer. You're then shopping. You can then go into Harries with, with twenty quid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I suppose your, your your plans, I guess, will change. You know, depends on where you are obviously in the league as well. I guess that you know, as you said, in terms of like your budgets and and the commercial side of things. It changes, yeah. it changes every plan, I suppose, does it?
4: It does. I think the championship, your championship, although the quality is vastly different to, to, to yours down south, it's equally as difficult to get out of because you've got a team from the the top-end division, if you like, coming out who have invested heavily.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Normally, that's the case, and they fall into your league.
1: Yeah. And then you've
4: got others that have been in that league for a number of years that have spent good money and got good players and are tried and tested. And you're, you're, you're trying to break that, you know, you're trying to break that kind of Grasp they've got on on what they need to do to survive and get promoted, so that would be the that'll be the challenge, and that's why it was important to us to to get good players into year contracts. So there's a there's a commonality within the building. Players know each other, they know how they play, they, they know the systems, they know what the manager wants, and then you've got that consistency to take you into year one in the championship if you make it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that right. hopefully that saves you, hopefully that saves you well. Then you're adding quality to that again and that, that's the quality that you're hoping springboards you into, into the SPL so that, that's a it's a hell of a plan you know but it, it, there's so many moving parts to it for it to work properly yeah of
2: course uh,
4: you know and, and every club's got the same the same ideas and, and objectives you know yeah. so
2: it's it's just executing that better than better than them I suppose and you know having the players yeah. just play out their skin to
4: to just show you up it, the league I suppose it becomes a lottery because it's the thing about the beauty of football is it's a living against a living in a, a flat surface for the same period of time. Yeah. When if, if if you turn up week in week out, you do better than the guys that don't. Yeah. Uh, but they you, you need to buy into the manager, the manager's vision, which our guys thankfully do. Um. So hopefully we keep the manager for as long as we can, mm-hmm. and, and and hopefully you know we, our players to kind of turn it on. But that's that's the kind of that's the plan for, for for going forward anyway. And again, to bring more into the club, we're hoping that the kids coming through, we'll yeah. get a few. Special talents that we can maybe move on, give them a career in the game, and make some make some money off them that will be reinvested back into the playing squad. Yeah, you know,
2: that
3: so makes it's, sense. It's, yeah. Perfect. Mm. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and, and so, just to sort of finish off, you, you've you've got your own business. You've spoken about is that football related, or is that kind of separate? No, no. Well.
4: That's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> <it's> a <laughs> good so, that, I, I, uh, in very kind of broad terms, my business started off with selling a photocopy resale company and we serviced. That's what it was. Okay. Two thousand and fourteen when it was set up. Um, so we basically sold printers and photocopiers and we serviced them, and we made a few quid from it and had all right lifestyles. You know that was a that was a plan. I then bought that business in twenty seventeen. Um, I had a serious illness, I got the last rights and when I was in the hospital when I kind of realised that I made an ass of it so if I died my wife and my kids would have got 30% of what the owners wanted to give them because of how no. it was structured don't get me wrong, but the guys is in business we were good guys mm. but, they're, but they're businessmen first and foremost, so they would have given my family what my family was entitled to and I don't imagine they'd have given them much more because one of them was a Scots guy and he right. quite tight <laughs> so, um, so when I when I started to recover, it became incumbent on me to try and buy the business. So I, I bought I bought the company from them. Um, didn't have a clue what I was doing, you know, like genuinely. You know, I'm sensing so, um, a
2: theme here, Jerry. Every job you're having yeah. now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'll, just, I, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> right, so, no, I mean I was in it. I, I was in it from. From its inception, you know, in two thousand my company's ten years old on on the sixteenth of December this year. Um and I've been in it from day one. Um oh, wow. but I, I went through having the security of a guy, Dave McCartney, who was my boss for a number of years and he's a great guy. I had the security of having Dave in the company who Dave's one of the guys that you go, okay he's he's got it. You know, All he's right. your he's your pep of the photocopy world, you know. Like <laughs> He just he knows what he's doing, um, and you go from having that security and that peace of mind to doing it yourself, right? And it's like, shit, how, how does that work? How does this work? Because although Dave's really good at what he does, he, he wasn't really too keen to share with me knowledge and how to run a business.
2: <laughs> right.
4: Right. So that's so. Although I was a director of the place, and although I, I worked reasonably close to him you know i couldn't tell you about corporation tax about VAT returns about payroll about all this stuff that you need to know mm. i didn't have a clue and they've never educated me that's it's no his job to actually have asked questions he, but he probably yeah. didn't have the time to give answers but anyway so i found myself in this situation that i spent 200 grand if it wasn't buying a company and i phew, shit, i need to start swimming here because i don't know what to do so as time went on you know i managed to well we're still here obviously so I'm doing all right. <laughs> what what happened was you know, I started to kinda of find my feet and get more familiar with things and and put my own stamp on it. And then COVID kicked in. Um Covid kicked in and overnight I could have lost my business because my revenue went from high five figures to four hundred and seventy three pounds. i still wow. i still I've still got my invoice from April twenty twenty, so billed to my customer base 473 quid in in april 2020 because everywhere closed down yeah
2: Um,
4: so (laughs) i remember sitting thinking wow i've promised all my staff to keep their jobs you know and i don't know how i'm going to i had money in the bank but i didn't have enough money to keep it going for a period of time that was indefinite Mm. Mm. i I had to change things and, and i moved into different commodities with the same customer base so what, what okay. I'd identified was, all right, I've, I've got paying customers who are mm-hmm. good paying customers. They all pay me on time. They're all happy with the service we deliver. So what other services can I provide to that base immediately
1: mm.
4: that, that they need that I can deliver that will give me a revenue stream that I don't have? So HR was one. Human Resources, IT and comms, because everyone's working from home. Yeah, uh, uh, Property services, and that was people were refitting out their offices because of COVID, um, putting these perspex panels up and things, and other people were closing offices down or remodifying. So that was an option. So what, what then happened was I, I started selling all this stuff through my business into all these customers, and then it grew you know, into other areas. And then when we came back from lockdown, We were, our lockdown was six months after years, I think, but when we come back from that, it was like, this just isn't right. The, the balance wasn't right. The, so I then had to break that up into a group of companies.
2: Ah,
4: okay. So, you know, so it's like, property services does this, HR does, HR, IT, mm. comms, this, and... So I, I then had to break that up into a group, um, and then the football team came along. <laughs> so, so the group get put on the shelf, you know. Um, the sports sports management was in that as well, because I was working as an agent. I was... um ah, okay. I was, a, I was a, a registered intermediary with the English FA as well, so that was the sports management piece. And there'd some players that I was looking after and stuff. But So that was the sports management consultancy. So they've got this group of businesses under um, under my business, but that not get shelved when Hamilton came along because I, I tried to buy the club in uh, 2021. Yeah. Um, sorry, 2022. I tried to buy the club um, and I shelved my focus, if you like, my focus and attention okay. um, to pursue the football thing. So that's. And that, um, now I'm kind of getting back into it a bit more. I'm trying to find the right staff to, to take us forward because mm. the education I've got for the football piece will help me massively with the growth of my own business.
2: Yeah, you know, I suppose
4: so the network really? you're
2: obviously building as well for the football side, yeah, that sports management side, is going to be you know, invaluable, yeah. isn't it?
4: Well, I, was, I think one of my problems was I never monetized what I had. It's, it's never been about money for me. So... Mm. It's, it's always been about people, um, and that's a that's a feeling in my part, you know. Because if if I applied a monetary value to everything, I'd be a lot financially a lot more wealthy than I'm now, you know. <laughs> um, but I've always done something because I've wanted to do it, and I've wanted the, the outcome to be right. So, that for people, for example, I get I get more reward and fulfilment for seeing someone's growth, mm. you know, because that's you, you can't put a price in that though.
2: No, 100%. Right.
4: I so I got a lot more reward from that than somebody gave me a bonus for for, for doing this. It's a bonus, big deal, you know, but that yeah. guy's never this for the rest of his life and I've played a part in it.
2: Absolutely. So that,
4: that, that for me is kind of, that, that for me is, hopefully that changes because I need money. <laughs> <laughs> I think that
2: comes with the right people, you know, the, the money will, will generally follow, won't it? Yeah, you because know, the the right people in the right places right. are performing up to you know that that elite kind of level for you because they they you know they work for you they're bought into you or put into their line manager or whoever it is.
4: I, I I believe that. I mean, when I worked as a sales guy in this industry that I'm in, again it was that I was never focused on money. I just wanted to be the best. And ironically, when you're number one, you get paid number one wages. Yeah. you, know, you uh, So, but that's about that. I, that's a, the lesson that I never learned when I was doing it was. I should have focused more on the money and I'd have done things differently whereas you know if, if i had it everyone had it you know take my family and nice holidays or i'd make sure my mates are okay and stuff because the money's never my driver it's you can't take it with you yeah you know but now i've got, I've got two kids so that's my my priorities to make sure they're left you know what, what what i can leave them so they can go and enjoy their lives so it's a it's mm. but i need to make a few changes to me first <laughs>
2: Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Nah, well you never know. You no, know, it's
4: you never want <laughs> nah. but I've got good insurance policy, so we we'll get in getting
2: <laughs> house Your wife's listening to this going, hmm <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: amazing. <laughs> amazing.
2: Um, Jerry, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Nice. Uh obviously I appreciate we've we've kept you far longer than we, we even planned, but it's been honestly a fantastic conversation um Great. i'm sure the thank the listeners you. out there are, are absolutely loving this as well um so this will come out on friday so obviously we'll uh, we'll share it with you as well and i'm sure the listeners will will love it um a few listeners out there if you can uh, give us a like give us a share give us a comment let us know your thoughts um but from us thank you again and speak to you soon no
4: thank
3: you. Take care, hi everybody thanks for listening to today's episode Please give us five star on your podcast provider, whatever one that may be, and help us hashtag drop the pod.
4: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.